Welcome to American Players Theatre Talk Backs to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange talks with actors Gavin Lawrence and Colleen Madden about APT's 2017 production of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. We're going to be talking about A Midsummer Night's Dream, one of Shakespeare's most popular plays, and I'm fortunate to have with me both Titania and Oberon, uh, Colleen Madden and Gavin Lawrence. So welcome. We're very excited to see what had been the debut play on APT's brand new stage in the woods, and I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about the uh, christening of the stage with this play. Why was it chosen, and why will it be special? Well, first of all, thank you for having us. Um, it was chosen, I think, for two reasons. One is because this is a very popular play for our audience and for the worldwide audience. And we at APT, we we like to recycle plays. So <laughs> we, have, we have a cycle. And this we it's been about, I think, seven years since we've done it. Um, but it did seem appropriate to rechristen our old stage, our born-again stage, with um, the play that we first did those many decades ago. And Gavin, uh, you, you obviously have not played Oberon on the old stage or the new stage. Correct. So, um, what are you excited about in, in bringing it to life here? Oh, well, I'm really excited about what feels like a historic moment. Uh, you talk about christening a new space. There's a lot of christening that takes place within the context of Midsummer, And uh, it just feels really f- special to be a part of, uh, of this new uh, take on a classic and on a play that most people know very well. So for those of us that have seen it before, um, what is director John Lang's doing differently? Is it set in period time? or From what I get, I, I think the, the thing about this production that's really unique, and I've done it once before, is the music and the sound that is being incorporated. We are creating a sense at the beginning of the play, I think I can say, uh, of, of Mardi Gras, of, of New Orleans, and of that, that music, that beat, that kind of primal sound that I think lends itself to a play in which fairies and kings and queens of, of the forest exist. Wow. Uh, and who is the sound designer? Josh Schmidt. Josh Schmidt is our sound designer. Um, but we also have a choreographer, Amina Kaplan, and she's brought in such an aesthetic uh, style and such a, a grounded aesthetic style. So I think Josh and Amina together have really created a magical and yet very real feel to these um, creatures, both the human creatures and the fairy world creatures. Now, when we think of choreography, we think of dancing. Um, but uh, Amina has worked with Blue Man Group and some really uh, unusual choreography. Uh, what kind of movement does she bring to this production? She was also a member of Stomp, and she is a an actor and a director in her own right. So she's really a a, a Jill of all trades. Um, I would say. What I'm really appreciate, appreciating about Amina is that she, 
um, is really blending the line between music and movement and dance. So the way we walk is something that we talk about as opposed to just dancing. And then the way we dance, informing the way we speak. And sometimes we have a percussion behind just speaking. So it's really an all-enveloping style. Would you say, Gav? Yeah, and I, I feel that the drum, the drum is, is, is very important in, in terms of what it is she's creating. We have actors creating live percussive moments and beats on stage, and we are all being affected and influenced by this drum, this, this primal drum that has a, a, a real Afro-Cuban bass to it. Wow. Um, and let's talk a little bit about the costumes. I was fascinated to hear that uh, uh, Merle, is that Merle Horton? Murel. Murel um, took a thousand pictures of the natural setting around the new stage before designing the costumes. Um, what, what will you be wearing? Oh my gosh, this costume designer <laughs> is just, I mean, really, all of our designers on this project are kind of all blowing my mind. So he took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs of our local spring green butterflies, milkweed, flowers, grass, um, as well as animals. And he also comes from f- fashion. So he also went to pictures of you know Dior and th- these fashion magnates and um, have, has really blended the two. So at some point, Titania enters wearing a cape that is sort of like a milkweed pod. So it's, it's big and sort of brown and crusty and a little ungainly. And then, as you know, when the milkweed bursts open, it's just full of this beautiful light cotton, almost like silk strands. So when I when that comes off, I'm wearing, you know, rhinestones and, uh, and all, but you know, he's, he has the rhinestones, um, kind of creeping down my leg like a spider web or like a vine. So even the, uh, the bits of, um, high fashion are rooted in nature. And I think it's also interesting. He's exaggerating some features, shoulder bones, hip bones, as if we are strange. I think, Gavin, you're wearing antlers on your back. On my shoulders as well as coming out of my head. Yeah, wow. and I'm wearing antenna. Um, so it's a bit of, we're, we're kind of a melange of, of creatures. And then um, the humans, when they run into the forest, you know, they, they start out in these beautiful gowns that get torn to shreds, which isn't all that unusual in terms of design for Midsummer. Except that I do think it's interesting that the more the humans spend in the forest, the more they, their clothing looks like the fairy clothing. So that's interesting. We, we do sort of change places a bit, the fairy world and the human world. And, and speaking of fairies, can you talk a little bit about the children in the production? Well, <laughs> we are blessed with a wonderful group of young people working on this show and who are daily showing us new talents that we had no idea they had. And they're actually an integral part of the, of the music and soundscape. Uh, they actually create that along with the adult actors. And uh, because we are, you know, king and queen of the fairy world, they tend to frolic and, and, and come with us. And for those who know the story, there is one in particular, a, a changeling child 
whom Titania will not allow Oberon to take. That is actually the point of contention between the two of them. And the young man playing him, Eli, is perfect in that uh, he has this sense of innocence and worldliness in his eyes that uh, lends itself to, 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 to Oberon really wanting to take him from Titania. So my son Jameson is in the project, and that's fun having him with me. Um, and he's, he's, he likes to get groovy, so he's having fun um, dancing. Another young man, Dave, is just full of personality and has no fear. He actually starts the play. He's the first one on the stage. And he is just completely fearless. He's just a beautiful soul. Uh, and then we have Elijah and Lauren are the teens who are in the show. And um, it's really wonder- one, of, one of the wonderful things about being in the theater is that it is truly multi-generational. So we have on the stage, you know, everything from nine years old to, Gavin, what are you, 89? So we, it's really multi-generational. And your audiences, of course, also are, are multi-generational. I think that many people see Midsummer Night's Dream as their first play. That's right. And, uh, and it's a marvelous play to see now because of how much, how much concern there is environment and about environmental you know, changes. And what's fun is that we're really highlighting... Titania and Oberon, uh, their conflict is creating this rift in weather patterns. So it's one of the things we talk about is um, how the seasons are all changing clothes, and that's a problem. So it's a great, you know, in the end, it's a great play about um, agreement and compromise and moving forward. Let's talk about the the non-fairy characters for a moment. Um, will they and and of course the the play within a play and such will that also be a New Orleans setting i mean well you know we do start off with this um new orleans feel but he really is setting it in athens um it's one of the great things we can do in theater um have a bit of music from somewhere and set it somewhere else um but no i think they're a mix of styles I think they start out, especially the young lovers, start out in an Athenian garb, what we would consider, you know, the, the sort of Greek draping. Um, but the the mechanicals, as we call them, look like workaday uh, Americans or Brits or something like that. So we're in a magical world where we can experience different places and times at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think that the setting in the woods has always been one of the strong draws for Midsummer Night's Dream for APT, that the uh, the world around becomes part of the play. How does the new stage work into that? Well, I think the new stage gives us the opportunity to, uh, to play more levels than the old one had. Um, and in terms of this moon, which is ever-present, on 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 stage uh there's there's way more room i think now and given the fact that we have adjusted the house in terms of the audience's uh point of view i think it allows us more room to play uh not just on stage but within the audience 
Uh, there's an aisle that is now open that never used to be fully open that we can now uh, enter and, and, and exit from. And we have, a, as Gavin said, we've got a, a huge moon on stage. So we're discussing right now in rehearsal on the full moon nights when we talk about the moon, do we look at the moon on stage or do we look at the moon above the stage? Um, but yeah, it's there a lot more opportunities, I think, to be, to be in the audience. And was there a trap in the old space? There wasn't a trap. So we have a new trap that you know, um, characters can enter from underneath. And because we now don't have the built-in bridge, you can see all the way from the house into the woods behind us. So we're still figuring out how to make entrances and exits. It's um, going to be a work in progress still, I would think, for years to come in terms of how we deal with the new environment. But what a magical thing to have to uh, think about whether you're going to point to the, to the real moon, and that's a, a unique aspect of seeing this play at APT and something not to be missed. It's so exciting, I can't stand it. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Our theme music is Er by Steve Tibbetts, and it appears here by permission of the artist, courtesy of ECM Records. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. With Orange Schroeder, I'm Buzz Kemper. Thank you for listening. Thank you.